Uh, if you're visiting today, we're glad that you, you're here. Uh, what we have uh, been doing is we've been doing our Advent series. And so this is our uh, final Advent sermon, and it comes at a good time, it's uh, Christmas Eve. And so kind of the theme uh, of the Advent season has been what we call the, the songs of Christmas. And so we looked at Mary's song, and we looked at Zachariah's song, uh, after they had encountered Gabriel. And Gabriel told them the great news of what God was going to do. And then, uh, Matt, last week we looked uh, as he expounded on the, the song of the angels when the angels came from heaven and appeared to these poor shepherds uh, and said uh, that a child has been born, a son has been given to us, born in the city of David, who is a savior for all people. And then they burst out and they sang, uh, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. Now let me tell you, the, these songs are, are poetry, uh, are a response to those whom God's grace has been revealed. And, and what is His grace? His grace is that 2,000 years ago, God broke into history and changed history because there was darkness before, there was a little bit of light there with the, with the Jews, but it was all in shadows pointing to the ultimate reality that God was coming in the world, not only for the Jews, but for all people who are willing to admit their sin. He's coming to the world for sinners. Now, singing, rejoicing, praising God, I believe, is a natural reflex to those who've truly been saved. To those who know that their hearts have been darkened by sin. It's a natural uh, reflex uh, to those who begin to understand that God has moved uh, a person from darkness into light. You see, you're not in the dark anymore. Many of you are confused. You're not sure. You don't know. You, you haven't responded. You sing these songs, but there are those who sing these songs, and it's like, oh, man. And, and sometimes you just sing songs, don't you? Because there's not the reality that you're still in darkness and you've entered into the light. That is a natural reflex to sing, to rejoice. To know that God, in His mercy, as He enters you into the kingdom of God, He takes out a heart of stone, He puts in a heart of flesh, and now your heart is responding to the love of your soul more than anything else. I, I think that's what it means to be a Christian. Now, here's my question before we read our text, because we're going to read about Simeon. And not only his song, but his exhortation. And it's, a, it's, it's a strong exhortation. But my question to you this morning, are you rejoicing today? What, 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 what tends to be the reflex, your reflex? Complaining, anger, frustration, or the reflex of whatever my circumstances are, whether I cause them or however they come from, I know that I'm safe. I know that my greatest need has been met, no matter what my circumstances are, no matter what my sin is, that I am safe. 
Well, I believe that God wants you to sing this Christmas. That's why I say that. I mean, are you singing? I want you to sing. I do. I, I don't care where you've been. I don't care if you haven't sung for years. I, I don't care if your heart's been hardened. I, I, I think God wants you to sing because you know his mercy. If I didn't believe that, I wouldn't be up here. That's what our text is about. So, seriously, I want every person in here that's thinking uh, to think about this. All right, so this is God's word to us this morning. And at the end of eight days, when uh, he, Jesus, was circumcised, he was, he was called Jesus. The name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb, and when the time came for the, their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of God. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves. Or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem. Whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous. And devout. And waiting. For the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. That you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light of revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And the sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Now this is God's word. Let's uh, pray together and ask him for the blessing on the preaching and the hearing of the word. Father, We thank you for this uh, day that we celebrate. The birth of our Savior, Christ the Lord. We thank you that you are not a God who hides yourself, but you have revealed yourself not only in the scriptures, but 2,000 years ago in the birth, life, death, and physical resurrection in the ascension of Jesus Christ. Father, though we hear, we cannot hear. And though we see, we cannot see. 
apart from your grace. But Father, calls us to know that you are willing for any who are here to understand the magnitude of what Simeon is saying if they desire to know you. And I pray for any who are here today who are either in darkness or lost their way or have lost a sense of your presence that they would know that you have made a vow. And unlike us, You keep your vow. The scripture says if we deny him, he will deny us. But if we're faithless, yet he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. And so, Lord, I pray for every person here. Lord, that you would have mercy. And that they would look to Christ. And enjoy this Christmas. As we celebrate this amazing event in time and history. We ask it in your name and for your sake. Amen. So, Jesus was born 2,000 years ago. Uh, Pretty much nobody debates that. That he is a historical figure. Even uh, theologians who would be less than orthodox, historians would say the, the history points to him. But what's very interesting is every generation of men and women have tried to discover for themselves who he is. Who is this Jesus? Every generation for thousands of years. Who is the authentic Jesus? Is it the one that Hal preaches or Todd preaches? I mean, is he a teacher? Some say he's a prophet. And then as you come down to the, the, to the 20th century and you, you read a lot of different theologians, people say he's a, he's a radical or, you know, he's the counter-revolutionary. Uh, if uh, you've uh, heard anything about liberation theology, there are the, the theologians who say basically Jesus came to bring social justice. In the last decade or so, there's a, a number of uh, scholars who started this thing called the Jesus Seminar. And the purpose of the Jesus Seminar is get to the, the, to the authentic Jesus and to strip away all the mythology that the second century Christians created about Jesus. So we can get away from all the stories of a man walking on the water or healing the blind or raising a man uh, who's been dead for four days from the grave. Let's just strip that away so we can get to the teachings of the real Jesus Well, this man, Simeon, who took Mary's baby in his arms and was moved by the Holy Spirit, revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that this baby, Jesus, is the authentic Jesus, the Jesus that is revealed by God the Father to Simeon. And Simeon declares, is the Son of God, and this Son of God, who would one day reveal the authentic God, who's his father, and the one who sent him into the world. Now, let me tell you what I want to do. I have three points. What I want to do is through Simeon's sermon, or his song, 
that we consider, uh, again, who Christ is. But not only a song, but his exhortation, especially uh, in the end. Because if you're listening to me, whether you're listening to me or not, you can't be neutral about this. That's what we're going to see in our text. Every man and woman in here will have to either rise or fall upon whether who you think Jesus is. Uh, but the reality is you'll rise or fall based on who he is and what the scripture says about him. Now, here's how we're going to do this. Um, uh, the first thing, I, I, was, I was just going to have two points, but I, I had to get this one in, and I'll tell you why in a minute. But the first thing is I, I want all of us, especially if you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, it won't make a lot of sense to you. I want us to look at Simeon, the man that God revealed this to. Very interesting. That's why, that's why I felt like I had to share it with you. But then I want us to look at the song of Simeon. What can we learn by, about the song? And, and what you're going to see about the song is, especially if you've grown up in the churches, oh, yeah, I get that, man. Jesus is the Savior of the world. Hallelujah. But, 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 but it doesn't translate the way it did into Simeon, who was simply hoping for the consolation. And then the last thing is the exhortation of Simeon. Uh, because, uh, because always, with, with the good news, it's always in the backdrop of what reality is. And there's a lot of bad news. Can we all agree to that? Can we all agree that, I don't care how old you are, there are things that threaten you. There are things that are difficult. But I want you to know the one who is sovereign over all these things and who will raise you from the dead one day if you believe him. And if you don't believe in him, you'll have to bow your knee and confess that he's Lord. So, so Christmas is not the fluffy thing about little baby Jesus in the, in the, in the manger. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's, in fact... Luke is going to set up the conflict. He's setting up his theme statement in our text that Jesus is going to experience for the rest of his life, even to the point where he is crucified. So, so first I want us to look at the man Simeon. I want you to look there. It's printed there in your bulletin. Look at verses 25, and what can we learn about this? Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now, I want us to consider uh, Simeon, as I said, because, you know, as a minister, I have to study the Scripture and make sure that I'm telling you somewhat, hopefully, closely, to what the text is saying. Uh, you know, you have your different jobs and your, your calling. You need to hone in. If you're a lawyer, you need to become good at law or you need to be, become good as a teacher. It's my job to, to look at, uh, deeper into the scriptures. And what's really interesting is I began to study about Simeon. Is I always assumed he was a priest. When you assume he's the priest. But so this can make a little bit of sense to you, especially if you go, yeah, okay, he's a priest and, and preachers and religion and Jesus and all that. It has nothing to do with me. This was an ordinary man, apparently. He might have been a carpenter. He might have been a blacksmith. He might have been a farmer. He might have been a merchant. But most commentators don't believe that he was a priest. He was just a normal old Joe. Just like you. 
And just like me, frankly. But there's a lot to learn about him uh, because uh, he's anticipating what you already know. What you already know, because anybody who's been in here probably knows that Jesus was the Son of God. Raised from the dead, and he's coming back again. You would say, I know that, got that. But I want you to think about this uh, because I, th- I, th- I think it helps us understand how God operates in our lives. Like if you're stuck in the mud or if it's like, man, I, 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 I'm, I'm hearing the sermons. I want to move forward. But sometimes I look at my life, and Brian, you kind of admitted it. We look in our sins. They gnaw at us, don't they? And we're not what we should be. But notice um, uh, this about Simeon. Uh, apparently, he was amazed that he was a Jew. That he was called by God's grace. That he was born a Jew and not a Philistine. Or not a Hittite. Or uh, of some other nation from around the world at that time. He was amazed at that. But the reality is, the vast number of Jews, if you study the scriptures, could care less. They are the uh, covenant people of God. And, uh, but they're not that interested in all the sacrifices and all this. Didn't we read that in our text? I mean, they were actually fasting though, by the way. But God said, that's not the fast I care about. What I care about is where you're doing is righteous. If you care about the poor, if you have people in your home at Christmas, if you know somebody, a redeemer, that has nowhere to go at Christmas, and you go, hey, I want you in my house. That's, that's the righteousness that, he, that he's talking about. But the average Jew, I'm just telling you, if you read the Old Testament, if you read it, you go, they're not interested. Now, uh, Paul in... in uh, in Romans chapter 2, uh, he, he is, um, he's trying to answer the Jews' questions who are very offended at the gospel that it's for all people. Very offended. And the question was, well, then what good is it to be a Jew? What good is it to be a Jew if you are saved uh, through Jesus Christ? What th- has this been all about? And Paul answers this. Much in every way, to begin with, the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. But notice what he says. What if some were unfaithful? Does their faithlessness notify the faithfulness of God? By no means let God be true and everyone a liar. In other words, uh, well, uh, are people going to determine whether Christianity is true based on how you're responding to it? And just because the Jews aren't responding to it, that doesn't mean that God is not faithful to those whom he's calling. Paul later says that a true Jew is not a Jew who's circumcised in their flesh in chapter 2 before he says somebody circumcised the heart that God has done a work he's taken out a heart of stone and he's put in a heart of flesh and ladies and gentlemen when that happens I'm going to tell you I believe that your life will radically change and what I mean by that is not you're going to be perfect Uh, not that life is going to be smooth not that you're not going to sin but I'm going to tell you you're starting from a whole different place now And you're reading everything in your life through that relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, guess what? There were people that were actually being saved in the Old Testament, and Simeon was one of them. And how do we know that? 
Well, just, just, just a couple of things, and then we move to what, but what he says. But I just think it's important to consider this and, and to think about this. I first notice what it says. It says he was a righteous man. Y'all see that? Ladies and gentlemen, you see that he was a righteous man? Oh, yeah, he's righteous, godly, holy, sanctification, justification, glorification. Now, can we talk about what it means to be righteous? Because you see, to some degree, we all know down deep in our hearts that that is kind of what we want from other people. We kind of know that we're supposed to be righteous people. Well, righteousness doesn't mean that he was perfect. It doesn't mean he's perfect because the Apostle Paul in Philippians 2 said, uh, I mean, uh, Philippians 3 says, according to the law, I was perfect. Now, he didn't mean that he didn't need Christ. But he was committed, as he understood it, to do what God said. But righteousness in the Bible is more than anything, it deals with a second table of the law. There are two tables of the law. First four, your relationship with God. No other gods. Do you have other gods? Are you serving God? The Lord Jesus Christ? If you're not, you're not a Christian. And you certainly won't get to the second table of the law, which is your relationship with human beings. That's the other six laws. And righteousness here is speaking of of the fact that he uh, was a man who sought to do others well. He probably knew the psalm, I mean the Isaiah that we read, right? The true fast. And he's like, man, I'm not being what I ought to be, but I'm going to keep hitting at it. Now, how do we see this? Well, he comes to the temple, and maybe this is stretching a little bit. I granted for all you intellectual types. But notice that he comes into the temple, and Jesus, uh, Joseph and Mary are there at the same time. They show up at the same time, and he sees the baby that the Holy Spirit has revealed is the Savior of the world. But notice he takes that baby, and he holds him in his arms. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Now, you might think this is stretching it, but I, I, I thought, I want to get this application in here. Do y'all care about our covenant children? Yeah, we, we as Presbyterians, we talk about covenants. That we enter people into the visible church, and we don't believe they're saved until, until they have a relationship with Christ. Like maybe some of you that have been covenant baptized don't have a relationship with Christ. You're, you're like the vast majority of the Jews of the Old Testament who had no interest in Jesus Christ. But you know what I believe, seriously, I believe that if we, adults, would get to know the children's names and uh, just hug them after church, or if you see one of our members whose kids you know are they're, they're leaving the faith, they're, or they, they're rebelling, that uh, rather than uh, talking to other parents about, man, but can you believe those children? Well, wait till you get teenage children, right? Uh, so... But, but, you know, rather than doing that, uh, I found out one of our members took one of our, uh, another member, one of the kids fishing. And, and, you know, this kid, he couldn't wait to go fishing. And, uh, and, but but to, to go to a kid who's hurting or rebellious and just get together and say, let's go to a movie together. Let's go to a basketball game together. That's righteousness. Righteousness is not some self-righteousness uh, that, you know, I don't smoke, drink, or chew. Righteousness is, in, in this case, caring for your neighbor. Got it? It's a sign you're saved. Because you see people in darkness now. But the other thing is, 
uh, that he was devout. Notice it says he was righteous and devout. Well, devout has to do with the first four commandments. Your relationship with God. And now, if you have no devotion toward God, then, you know, this is, uh, is kind of like, wow, I, you know, great Christmas sermon. I, I'm going to get to the good news. But I'm just trying to tell you why God revealed himself to, to this man. But what does it mean to be devoted? Well, I tell you what it means to be devoted is if you're really in love with somebody, right? Uh, I, 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 I am devoted to my wife. I love my wife. I, I really do, and I, I, I so don't hit it right so many times when I'm trying to understand what does it look like in terms of, hey, what do you want for Christmas? And then I remember it for a year. Uh, but it's, you know, devotion is, is, I'm telling you what it is. And you, you can know what you're devoted to right now. And if it's not Jesus Christ, if it's someone else, or if it's something else, then guess what? You'll never get the second table of the law because you're not devoted. You, it, it, now, why is he devoted? Is it because he's a great guy? Well, I will say this, and I, and I, and I need to tell you this because I want to say one more thing about him and move forward, but... You know, a lot of you are waiting. On, seriously, you're hyper-Calvinist or you're fadeless. And you're kind of waiting on God to do something in your life. Now, when the Holy Spirit zaps me and I want to start reading my Bible, I'm going to read my Bible. And when I want to start uh, caring for other people, I'll do it or whatever it may be. Oh, no, 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 no. You see, I believe this man responded to what the Bible said he's to do. And then in the response of it, notice... That he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Does that sound backwards to a lot of you? You say, hey, that's a works righteousness. No, I'm not saying that. Let me tell you what I think that means is this. I feel very little, very, very little filled by the Spirit many times. But I know this. I know that it's in the effort to be obedient. Like, I don't always like reading the Bible. I don't always like praying. It's like, okay, i got to cut my radio off, and it's, they're talking about Kirby Smart and the dogs. And, but it, not, not, not out of guilt, but just going, you know what, I need to talk to God. But you see, it's in that that you realize the, the, how far short you fall, and the, the Spirit begins to work. You see? It's not, it's not a fatalism, passive, let go and let God. Have you ever heard that? No, it's not. It is a man who God blesses because he is taking human responsibility to know God. And if you're not going to do that, it's, but then, I, 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 then you know, God is not obligated to change you. But it's in the desire of it and the moving toward it that you begin to see your brokenness and your need for Christ. So I, mean, I could say more about Simeon, but do you understand he's an ordinary guy? Now, let me get, make my, my, my application and I move on. You, don't, you might not be the most gifted person in Athens, Georgia. You might not be the most uh, person with this, a captain of 1,000 or 500 or 50 or even 10. But brothers and sisters, there is nothing that prohibits any man or woman in this room who knows the Lord Jesus Christ and His grace and His mercy that you can't be the most godly man or woman. Right? To be the most devoted. Because God is the one who gives the gift, but I think sometimes God is mesmerized, humanly speaking, when we actually say, Lord, I, I love you and I want to serve you. Like, really? Really? 
humanly speaking, okay? Now, second point. So, so what is this song? And I want to look at this song, and then I want to look, uh, and then I want to look finally at, at uh, his exhortation. What is the song of Simeon? Well, there are three things to see in Simeon's song. Uh, first off, is Simeon recognized that Jesus is the fulfillment of the promise? He takes that baby up. The Holy Spirit reveals it. We don't know how that happens. But here's an ordinary guy. Not the John the Baptist. Well, John the Baptist has been young, but it's not, it was not Zechariah. It's this ordinary guy. And this ordinary guy uh, says this. Um, verse 29. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to... To your word. According to your word. Simeon knew the Bible. And in Jesus, Simeon understands that this child is the Savior. He understood probably the covenants of God. He probably understood the promised seed in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. He probably understood uh, that when, when, when God came to Abraham, he came to him in grace and God told Abraham that through your seed, not only will there be a great nation, Israel, but through your seed, all nations will be blessed. He, he saw that he, was, he, was, he knew he was the lineage of David. He's David's uh, son. He probably understood Isaiah 53. Well, I didn't understand it, but maybe he's seeing now this is the one that's going to be the suffering servant because of what he said to his mother Mary. He's the fulfillment of scriptures. Now let me say this. You know, the Old Testament, uh, the Old Testament scriptures are expectation. They're shadows. They're pointing. And he's waiting on it. You know what the New Testament is? It's explanation. So he's piecing this together from the Old Testament. Brothers and sisters, we have the whole Bible. We have Genesis to Revelation. And you know what the New Testament is? It is explaining the fulfillment. It is explaining who Jesus is. Now, can I tell you why you need to know the Scriptures? It's because as you start looking at the Scriptures, they're all about Jesus. It's not about uh, having a quiet time and, and reading the Proverbs and trying to do what the Proverbs says. I'll tell you this. The Proverbs is Jesus. Right? He was the true Israelite, right? And uh, there's nobody in here that's never not lied or never not talked behind somebody's back. There's nobody in here whose hands are not clean or are not stained by your own sin, your sexual immorality, whatever it may be. But Proverbs is about Jesus. Simeon understood, I'm a righteous man. No, I'm not. I need Christ. And here's the one. So not only does he see that he is the fulfillment of, uh, of Scripture, but he also recognizes that he is the ultimate salvation of God. Notice what he says in verse 30. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. Now, there he sees it. So maybe he was thinking, you know, like most Jews, we talk about this all the time. The Jews thought the Messiah is political. Y'all have heard me say that many times, right? Oh, here's going to be the blessing. We're going to kick out the Romans. Here's going to be the blessing. Uh, somebody's going to put a chicken in our pot. and Somebody's going to take care of us. And here's the blessing. We'll hit our utopia one day. 
But you know, so so Simeon understood. I mean, tell you, you knew the scriptures. I mean, the, the, he was not bored with it. Because Austin is all clicking with him, and he's saying, well, it couldn't be political because he says that he is a savior of all nations. You see that? Not just of the Jews. The Jews had always thought it was about we the Jews and the heck with everybody else. And now he understands that Jesus Christ came into the world to save all peoples so it's not political. Now, God, I'm going to ask you, have you seen the salvation of the Lord? You know what? He said, I've seen the salvation of the Lord. And now I'm ready to go in peace. I'm ready to die because truly God is not a savior from your financial problems. He might. He's not a savior from your marriage. It might not be so great. He's not even a savior from your bad thinking. And you go, wow, maybe this is true. Maybe Christianity is true. No, he will not save you if it makes sense. He will save you if you say, man, I, I don't know about anybody else in here, but I need Christ. You know what, last week, you know I didn't preach, Matt preached. I go in the back, providentially, and, and this, providence is always exciting. But I go in the back, and I'm, I'm sitting next to some young man I, I've never seen before. Well, he'd never been a redeemer before. And uh, so I say, hey, your first time to redeemer. And uh, he couldn't hardly talk. He, he said, can I go talk to you in my office? He went to my office, had tears in his eyes. And you know what? He saw the gospel. He, he said, I woke up this morning, and I was lost. And now I understand. You know what? He called me on Wednesday. He said, man, this is unbelievable. Reconcile to mom. Reconcile to dad. Uh, in fact, I found out my daddy's become a Christian recently. And we had the greatest conversation. Matter of fact, I'm reading the Bible, and man, it's coming off. It's just like makes a whole lot of horse sense to me. You know why? Because he's met Jesus. You know what the Bible's about? Jesus. You know why you're not interested in the Bible, maybe? Jesus. Now, one other thing he says about this is that he also recognizes that he's the light of the world. He's the light of the world. And I want to say one thing about this and move to my final point in close. But, you know, the song I did, Zechariah, I'm sure you remember it. Would y'all like the points? Could somebody want to stand up and give the three points of my sermon two weeks ago? No, I'm just teasing. Okay, so, so Zechariah, you know, he says... The people who were sitting in darkness uh, and, and, and in the shadow of death has seen a great light. But everybody in this world, everybody in this world is setting out on this journey to find the light, to find the truth, the, the city, the thing, the utopia, the whatever the thing is that's out there besides the gospel. And then the darkness comes and you lose your way and you're just sitting there and you don't know where to go. And not only that, the shadow of death is this. There are things that are out there that are coming after you. And, and not only can you not get where you want to go, you can't even make progress. You've maybe given up. You've become cynical or whatever. But you know what your great enemy is? It's death and it's coming after you. And you can't stop it. But Jesus says, I'm the light and the life of the world. Now, has that light come to you? He's the light of the nations. Do you believe that? You say, yes, I believe that. 
is that light bursting forth through you. Because you're wanting to walk in the light as He is in the light. And then the last thing to see here is, and I need to close on this. The, the, so the Simeon the man, the Simeon the song, and uh, now the exhortation Simeon. This is very important and we close. Notice what he says after he, he gets into, I guess, the narrative part again. Verse 33, and his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them. And then he said to Mary, not Joseph. Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your soul also so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. It's an interesting statement, isn't it? Is that, is that an interesting? Fact, notice he blesses her. And how does he bless her? Your child's going to suffer and your heart's going to be pierced. Now, how do we think about blessing? Be blessed. The blessing is, uh, I got the boyfriend, I got the girlfriend, I, I got this, I got that. I, I got, not, well, what if the blessing is suffering? What if God loves you enough to enter into the suffering of his own son that he might use you for his glory? Because you see, ultimately, the blessing is a Christian. is not everything working out right, but God uses you. You enter into the suffering of Christ. But notice what he says, that he will be uh, the one uh, who will reveal the intents of the heart and that he will be a stumbling stone. Now I want to close on this. Um, I can honestly say, I mean, don't, don't know all of you. I love you. I care about you. I really do. I, I, I care about you. And, and I, I, uh, I, I don't want you to live in darkness. I don't want you to remain miserable because you're still walking away from the truth. I want you to know the love of God in Jesus Christ in such a way that it transforms your thinking and what you do with your money and what you do in your marriage and what you do about everything and then what you're not doing that he will convict you and you move that way, you see. But you see, ladies and gentlemen, and we're going to take communion, but the communion goes along with this text. That he is either the rock that you stumble upon and will fall. Because you go, I don't want any of that. Or he will be the step, stepping stone upon which you build your life. Now, which one is it? Now, this is Christmas. God didn't send his world, the son into the world to condemn you. Because Jesus says, you're condemned already. But I came in the world for you, the Son of God, to substitute for you. And I would invite you today to come to Christ. Or if you're already a Christian, go, you know, Lord, I'm kind of like my pastor. My heart grows hard. Would you forgive me today? And would you work in my life? And we can sing together, can't we? We can rejoice together. Are you singing? Are you rejoicing? Do you have the Holy Spirit? Let's pray together. Uh, Lord, thank you for your word.
Thank you for your truth. Father, I pray uh, for anybody who's here today that knows they're sitting in darkness. Oh, Lord, would you cause them to know that you, your love is infinite and your forgiveness is unending. That they would consider uh, the things they think are light that end up being a dark room. The things they put their hope in that ultimately slam the door shut and deceive them. Lord, would they know the hope of Christ today? And Lord God, we thank you for Christmas. We thank you for those uh, like Mary who, who submitted to you. Like Zachariah. Like Simeon. And uh, though they submitted, uh, Lord, their lives were not always easy. But we pray that this coming year that we might sing and dance no matter what happens. Because you're our God. And you're a heavenly father who loved us so much that you gave your son for sinners like us in this room. And so, Lord, would you change us for Christ's sake. Amen.